Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. Well, welcome to episode 50 of Talking Shop, the podcast all about Photoshop. In this episode, I'll share 12 or more little projects you can do to get better at Photoshop. Well, hey there. As the announcer guy said, my name is Dave Cross and I am the host of this podcast. If this is your first time discovering this particular podcast, I have been a Photoshop educator since the very early days of Photoshop and have made my living one way or another teaching Photoshop now through my website called learningphotoshop.cc. In this episode, what I want to do is give you some ideas of simple little things you can do to experiment, to practice, to play around. And this came as a result of a conversation I had with one of the members of my website who, given our current situation, found themselves with a little more time on their hands and said, I want to play around in Photoshop because you keep telling me to do that, to practice things and experiment, but I just don't know what to do. So I thought I'd put together a list of very simple little tasks, little exercises, little things you can do to experiment, to try things. Now, some of these you may be already familiar with, so of course they won't be applicable, but the whole idea is to encourage you to explore parts of Photoshop that you might not otherwise have had a reason to or perhaps not have had time to because of other projects on the go. So the whole idea is all these little things are just ideas to get you started. So here we go. Number one, define a pattern. Some people just have never really had the need or really understood perhaps why they might want to make a pattern out of something. So open any photograph. It doesn't matter what it is. Make a selection using typically the rectangular marquee tool. It doesn't have to be a square. It can be a rectangle. It can be any shape you want. Go to the edit menu and choose define pattern. And then add a new layer. Fill it with something, doesn't matter what it is, some color, and then use a layer style called pattern overlay and experiment with applying your pattern, changing the size, changing the opacity, changing the blend mode, anything you want, just to get an idea of how making a pattern is going to work. Now you'll notice initially that your pattern will have very definable, repeatable edges. So there's a whole nother world of creating patterns where you can try and make a repeatable pattern where you don't see a noticeable edge and that's a little beyond my ability to explain using only audio as to how to do that but I'm sure you can find tutorials on repeating patterns as kind of the next step. Number two, paint with light and dark. So open one of your photographs, probably something like a landscape would be ideal but doesn't have to be. And We're going to add two adjustment layers, both curves and the first one, you're going to over brighten the photograph and then fill the layer mask with black. And it might be a good idea to name this adjustment layer brighten. And on the second adjustment layer, you're going to over darken the photograph. And I'm saying over brighten and over darken so you can see the results. So you'll end up with two adjustment layers, one to lighten where the layer mask is filled with black and one to darken where the layer mask is filled with black. Then you take your brush tool with a nice soft edge brush with white as your foreground color. And then anywhere in your photograph you want to manually paint in brighter or darker areas, you just click on the appropriate adjustment layers layer mask and start painting. Now, because we deliberately overdid it at first, 
you'll probably find that at a certain point you'll say, okay, now that I can see where I'm painting, I need to go back to that curves adjustment layer and pull it back a little bit so it's not quite so obvious. But this is a technique I use all the time when I'm just trying to do some fine tuning with bright and darks on a photograph. Number three, combine two photographs using a mask. Sounds pretty straightforward, but some people I find still struggle a bit with layer masks. So this is a good way to do it. Just take any two photographs, drag them together. So you end up with two layers and on one of the layers, add a layer mask. Paint on the layer mask with black to hide areas, paint with white to show them again, paint with gray to make a softer edge. You can also use the gradient tool on the layer mask to make a gradual fade. You could also, before you made the layer mask or even to start a, a second phase, delete the layer mask and make a selection first and then add a layer mask and see what that does and then fine tune that further by painting more on the mask, try applying a filter to the mask and see what happens. So if you're not someone who's very familiar with layer mask, it's very easy to create an environment where you can experiment simply by making two layers. Number four, so here's a bit of a twist. Now I want you to take any two photographs and combine them, but you can't use a layer mask in this case. You have to do it only by using blend modes and the blend if sliders. Now, some of you might listen to that and go, the what? Blend if sliders. So if you're one of those people that you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, do a search on the blend if sliders and you'll get an idea of how those work. And it can be a really interesting way because it allows you to blend the layer using lights and darks. You can even do it in such a way where you're making the underlying layer show through the top layer. So it's just an interesting way to experiment. Now, of course, in real life, you probably would use both. You'd have a layer mask and blend modes and blend if sliders, but I just want you to get used to those particular functions so you can try and see what capabilities you have. Number five, work on any project, doesn't matter what it is, for 30 minutes only using keyboard shortcuts. So you're not allowed to go to any menu. Well, I mean, you can. You can look at a menu, but you have to look and see there's a keyboard shortcut for this and then use it. So don't click on tools. Use the single letter shortcut for activating the tools. Don't pull down a menu and click on a function. Use the keyboard shortcut for that function. Now, I know some of you are already saying to yourself, but some functions I use don't have keyboard shortcuts. Okay, you're kind of missing the point of the, the fun exercise here is to try to use keyboard shortcuts wherever you can. So yeah, there might be some where you can't, but as much as possible for at least 30 minutes, try to use shortcuts. And I think you'll find once you do that, it might slow you down at first, but if you do that periodically, it can really help you get used to using keyboard shortcuts. So you'll use them more often and you'll save lots and lots of time. Number six, draw a heart shape with the pen tool. Now, if you're a master of the pen tool, you'll hear that and go, yeah, okay. But if you're one of those people that are still trying to get used to the pen tool, this is a harder exercise than it sounds at first. So it's a really good way to get used to using the pen tool and how curves work and how you can adjust anchor points to get the result that you want. All right, I have at least six more ideas for you. But first... It's time for the tip of the week.
Usually with my weekly tips, I try to share an idea of something you can do to be more efficient or to save time. But this time I'm going to go a little bit different and tell you here's something that you shouldn't get in the habit of doing, and that's using history. Now, don't get me wrong. History is fine. You can use history to step backwards, but I don't want you to get in the habit of relying on history as a way of changing your mind. Because the one thing that many people forget is the history panel is only there while this document is open. If you close the document and reopen it later, all your history is gone. So if you lie exclusively on the history panel, rather than taking advantage of a structured layer document that's going to give you lots of opportunity to change your mind, you could end up running into some trouble. With short tutorials, in-depth multi-lesson courses, and live Q&A sessions, LearningPhotoshop.cc provides the Photoshop training you need to succeed. Number seven is an easy one, record an action. Now, needless to say, once again, this will not be of any use to people who are in the habit of making actions all the time. But I find a lot of people are hesitant or they've never really done an action or the only actions they've used are ones that have been recorded by other people. So I want you to just to do something simple. Open a document and then start recording and do some operation you do all the time. For example, the idea I gave you earlier of painting with light and dark. Why not record those steps of add a curves adjustment layer, brighten, fill the layer mask with black, add a curves adjustment layer, darken, fill the mask with black, and then stop recording. And that way now you've recorded a simple little starter action that I've talked about in previous episodes that's going to get you started also with seeing the benefits of using actions. Number eight, just to give yourself an interesting exercise, find a photograph that has some elements you want to remove or cover up and add a blank layer and try and do the entire thing using only the patch tool. Now, in reality, you probably would never do that. You'd use the patch tool and the spot healing brush and the clone stamp, etc. But just as an exercise, try retouching using only one tool. It could be any one tool, actually. It could be only the spot healing brush or only the clone stamp tool. But just as an exercise to hone your retouching skills, try it with just one tool. Recognizing, again, in the real world, you wouldn't only use one. Number nine, apply a smart filter and then change its appearance using the filter blending options. So take any photograph, convert it to a smart object and apply a smart filter. And I would suggest something fairly dramatic where you'll see the difference, like a heavy blur or a motion blur or something very dramatic. And then on the far right hand side, you'll see a little symbol, which is the filter blending options. And you can double click on that and change the blend mode and opacity of that filter and get some really interesting results. So once you've done that, go back and adjust the filter settings and see what results you can get that are very different from the way it looked when you first applied the filter. Number 10, add an unusual edge to a photograph. So typically this would mean opening a photograph, adding a layer mask, and then through a combination of make an interesting selection, you can use a brush on that mask, you can apply a filter to the brush and try some unusual filters, not just blur and things like that, but go into the filter gallery and do things like spatter and glass. There's one that's called glass. I think it's tiny lens. It's got a really bizarre but unusual effect. You could also copy and paste portions of other photographs and paste them on the mask to be able to create an unusual edge. Don't forget, side tip here, if you need to paste on the mask, option or alt click on the mask first so you're pasting directly on the mask and see what kind of unusual edge effect you can create on a photograph. Number 11, create a signature brush. Take a nice Sharpie and a nice 
white piece of paper, sign it, and then take a photograph of it, bring it into Photoshop, and define it as a brush. Once it's a brush, then you can apply it on a blank layer to any photograph. You can change the color, etc. You also might decide to try putting that in a library to see how you can use a signature like that using a library rather than only as a brush. Number 12, go to the File New dialog box and you'll see there are a bunch of templates that Adobe has provided. Download one of those free templates and create something. And you can see there's all kinds of interesting ones from things like a poster that you can put your photograph on to textures and all kinds of things. Just try taking advantage of one of those templates to see what you end up with. And remember, all of these are just starter points. They're just something to get you motivated to, instead of staring at Photoshop and going, I have no idea what to do when someone like Dave tells me, here's a prime time to be able to experiment. How do I do that? These are some of the ideas. One last relatively boring one, but not a bad idea. A lot of people, when they find themselves with time on their hands in the real world, I mean, outside of the Photoshop world, might organize their room or organize a closet or something like that. So why not take this time to really think about the functions used in Photoshop the most and organize all your panels in a way that makes sense to you and then save that as a workspace so you'll know you'll always have the panels, etc., just where you want them. So that ended up being 13, but that's okay. Again, the whole idea here is if you find yourself with a bit of time on your hands, there's no question in my mind that one of the best ways to get better at Photoshop is to experiment and try things and see what happens if, especially when there's no pressure, you're not trying to meet a deadline, it doesn't matter if you go down a path and your image falls apart completely because it's just a project for fun to help you experiment and get used to things in Photoshop. So hopefully this gave you a few ideas of ways to start experimenting and playing around in Photoshop. I'm Dave Cross. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. Find us at TalkingShop.show. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.